This episode is a solo episode. It is the end of April in 2020, and we are in our sixth week of social distancing in Maryland, which I measure by how long the schools have been closed and it is Earth Day this week. So this episode will focus on some swaps that my family of five has made and that I think we could make to reduce the amount of waste that we produce in our home and to support companies that are committed to sustainable and ethical practices. Welcome to We Built This Life. This is the podcast that tells stories about entrepreneurs, freelancers, and other business owners who have built their working lives from that first inkling of an idea into careers that help them make the impact that they want to make on this world. My name is Jennifer Walker. I'm a freelance writer, and I love to hear stories about how people build careers that are meaningful to them. So on this podcast, you'll hear from people who have done just that. They're going to talk about their path to their current work and the risks they took to build their careers from the ground up. Thank you so much for listening today. Hi, thank you so much for tuning in today. I kept the same intro that I always use, which talks about the normal focus of this podcast, which is telling stories about entrepreneurs and freelancers and how they built their careers. But this week, I'm going to try something a little bit different. So I finished up my last episode, which was the story about Amy Homan, who is a sustainable and ethical clothing designer. It was episode seven. I finished that up around the beginning of March. And that was the last interview that I have recorded. I usually try to just record two at a time because they take me such a long time to put together. If I were to batch record more than that, I'm just afraid that the third and the fourth and the fifth interview would be too outdated by the time I put them together. So I do two at a time. And Amy's was the last interview that I had pre-recorded. So I thought, okay, I'm going to take a week off. I have a deadline on March 16th. I'm going to finish up that story that I'm working on because I also work as a freelance writer. And then I will send out my next batch of emails to secure some more interviews for the podcast. And then, of course, everything changed. You know, in Maryland, schools closed on Thursday, March 12th for just the next two weeks. Of course, now we know that that's longer than that. But I have three kids. I have a daughter who's in second grade and then a son who's in kindergarten and a two-year-old son. And since March 12th, they have all been home. You know, as is the case for everybody who has school-age kids, all of a sudden they, you know, they are home now and they will probably be home for a while. So we live in a really small place. We have a two-bedroom condo. And with the kids here all the time, it has been hard to find time and a space to record. My husband is working from home too. And if you have a podcast or have ever tried to even record anything, you know, the microphone picks up everything. You know, I have to turn the the heat or the air conditioning off before I record because it would definitely pick up that sound. So I have been nervous about securing more interviews unless I can find people who want to talk to me after 10 o'clock at night, which is usually the time when the last kid gets to bed. So I'm going to try two solo episodes. For this episode today, I'm not going to talk too much about the pandemic. I'm going to save that for the next episode when I'm going to highlight a few things that I've been doing to help during social distancing and the quarantine. Obviously, that episode is going to be very skewed towards my personal experience of this, which is as somebody who can stay home. But I hope that some of the tips that I share will be 
applicable to people who are in other situations within this this social distancing world that we all find ourselves in. But I'm going to hold that for the next episode. Today, what I'm going to talk about, and it is 11 o'clock on Tuesday, April 21st. I believe that date might be wrong. I actually thought all day today that it was Wednesday. I think we're all kind of screwed up with our days and our times. But the point is that it is almost Earth Day. (laughs) It's about an hour until Earth Day. So I thought I would come on and record an episode about some things we are doing in our home to reduce our waste. So I think we are all trying to build lives that are more sustainable to reduce the amount of waste that we are producing. We are by no means perfect, but we are doing some things in our house to reduce the amount of waste that we're throwing away. And I just thought I would share the ones that I think are having the biggest impact. So to give this episode a little bit of structure, I'm going to sort of talk about swaps that we've made in different rooms of the house. So I'm going to talk about the kitchen. I'm going to talk about cleaning supplies, clothes, you know, sharing some sustainable or ethically produced clothing companies that I like. And I'm going to end with the bathroom. So I'll share both some swaps that we have made and some swaps that I'm hoping that we will make eventually that I think will have a pretty large impact. So thank you for tuning in today and let's get started. All right, so I thought I would kick off this episode today by talking a little bit about how I got interested in making some low waste swaps at home. And for me, I think that started maybe about eight years ago. Yeah, almost exactly eight years ago. And it happened because I wanted to save money. So my best friend in high school had kids before I did. And she had always talked to me about cloth diapering. She began using G diapers, which I've never used, but as I understand it, I think they are kind of like a cloth diaper pant, but with an insert that you put inside that's flushable. And she was using that with her son. And then eventually she transitioned into using just full on cloth diapers. And I thought that was really interesting. I honestly was interested in it because of the cost saving aspect of it. But I began to do some research on YouTube. I was watching videos about cloth diapers, you know, what to buy, what you need, how to make it work. And with my older two kids, who I mentioned are school age now, but with them, I did cloth diaper them on and off. I actually don't think I saved any money because I did everything wrong. In the beginning, I was trying to save money along with reducing waste. So if you think about buying cloth diapers, all of the ones that you need right from the start, it could cost $400 to $500 at once, and that was eight years ago. But I think the key to actually saving money with cloth diapers, as well as reducing waste, is to fully commit to it from the beginning and just buy what you need from the start. We didn't do that. My husband and I, and this was more motivated by me because this was my idea, but we decided we were just going to buy these four really cute, tiny newborn diapers just to try out cloth diapering, but they were really expensive on their own. They didn't last that long before our daughter outgrew them. And then we chose the cheapest cloth diapers. So they were just kind of this outer shell, and then you lay the cloth insert in the center of the shell. But they leaked, and we had to stop using them. Eventually, when my son was born, our second child, uh, I sprang for 24, I think they're called all-in-one diapers. They were by Bum Genius. And they have snaps on the front that make the diaper adjustable so it grows with your baby. It was expensive to buy them all at once, but that is absolutely what I should have bought from the beginning, in my opinion. 
But the point is that cloth diapering was kind of the gateway that got me a little bit more interested in figuring out ways to reduce waste in our home. From there, over those last eight years, we started to make some low-waste swaps. So let's start in the kitchen. I've talked about this on my Instagram before, but one of my favorite, favorite swaps that we have made is that we switched to cloth paper towels. I get them from Marley's Monsters. They are just squares of cloth. I think they're sold in packs of 12 or 24. When you first get them, they're pretty stiff, but as you wash them over time, they get softer. And we have probably 50 of them now, but we use them for everything in place of paper towels, in place of napkins. They wipe up water and spills really easily. The Marley's Monsters sells this wooden paper towel holder and shows you how you can roll up the paper towels if you want to do that. Normally, you can buy them in certain patterns. I think now with the COVID-19, they aren't doing customization, but normally they do. So you can get cloth paper towels to match your kitchen and just not having to buy all of those paper towels. And we live in a small space. All those paper towels take up a lot of room. I know we've saved money over time. It is one of my favorite, favorite switches. And then also from Marley's Monsters in the kitchen, I got these bowl covers. They are pieces of fabric that you can stretch over your bowls and then you can cinch them tighter to replace plastic wrap or aluminum foil or anything else that you might put on top of a bowl to put it in the fridge. I have loved these two, especially with young kids in the house. My two-year-old never finishes a meal. And so it's nice to have those to just cover up his plates and then to pull out later. You know, maybe if he doesn't eat his lunch, then I can pull out his plate later and have his dinner. And I've just used this reusable bowl cover to keep the food fresh. And Marley's Monsters is a great company. They have so many products that can help your family move towards zero waste. And I don't even want, I, I like to say low waste because we are nowhere near zero waste, but their products help us reduce the amount of waste that we're producing. So they're great. Another company I really like is Planet Box. They make stainless steel lunch boxes. And when my older kids were younger, the first lunchbox I bought was like a plastic bento box kind of lunchbox. But over time, those get mold kind of in the crevices and are hard to clean, at least I have found. And I wished I had bought the Planet Box to begin with. They are expensive lunchboxes, but right now as I'm recording this, they have been having a 30% off sale for a while. I've been following the company for a really long time and I have never seen a sale that big. So now while we're all staying at home might be might not be the time that you're thinking about a lunchbox, but if you'll ever need one for the future, then now might be a good time to look into it. So they have bento box style stainless steel lunchboxes. They sell magnets to put on top. So if you have kids, they can customize what kind of design is on the front by buying these magnets. And they have, they have everything. I think we have robots, unicorns, dinosaurs. You can even upload photos and make your own magnets. <laughs> they are not my favorite thing to clean. They take up a lot of space in the sink, but they are super easy to clean. I think they'll last forever. And we have two of their Rover style lunch boxes, which they have four compartments and one of them is big enough for a sandwich. I have those for my two school age kids. And then we have a box for my husband, which has three compartments. And one of the compartments is, you know, big enough for a salad or they sell like a glass container that you can put in there if you would have pasta or, or rice dish or something that you wanted to heat up. 
And then I also have their little snack boxes because I walk to pick my kids up from school. It's about a mile away and I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to do this, but to get them to walk home or to come home with me that distance, which is a lot for a kid, I always pack up snack boxes for them. So those little snack boxes just have two compartments and you can buy these silicone inserts to divide those compartments even further. I think they even sell stainless steel like snack containers. They have water bottles. I have tried those and have not had as much success with those. My kids keep breaking off the lid, but I will say my son got their bottle rocket water bottle. It was like the day after we got it, he dropped it down the stairs and it immediately broke. And I wrote to them to see if I could just buy a top for it because the bottom of it was perfectly fine. And they replaced the whole thing free of charge and just sent it to me. And it was totally our fault that we dropped it. So I love when companies do things like that. So Planet Box for lunch boxes. They are pricey, but they are my favorite. So those are the swaps we have made in the kitchen that I think have had the biggest impact. Some things that we could do that I think would have an even bigger impact. The first is joining a CSA. So of course, CSA is a community-supported agriculture program. You buy a share in a farm and then, you know, usually in the summer season. And in exchange for that, you get vegetables or maybe a little bit of fruit sometimes every week based on what the farmer you're working with is growing. And you're kind of buying into a little bit of the risk in the farm. So if the farmer has a bad season or something, you're still helping to keep their farm running by paying a certain amount of money at the beginning of the season. So I I used to have a CSA when we lived in New York, and I think it was five or $600. And we would go and we would pick up our vegetables. At that time, you didn't have a choice. You know, they, they would say, okay, this week you get one container of strawberries, you get this amount of spinach, this amount of radishes or greens or whatever it is. I think now you can get half shares instead of a full share. A full share was a lot. When I had the CSA, it was just me and my husband. So, uh, you know, a half share probably would have worked better for us. But I think you can get half shares. I think you can even pick the vegetables and the, the fruit that you get sometimes if there is fruit available. And doing it with the CSA, if we're talking about reducing the amount of waste we're producing, when you buy food in the grocery store, oftentimes it comes in a lot of plastic. I know we even buy, you know, my daughter eats peppers all the time, kind of like rainbow peppers. We even buy them in a pack of three that is wrapped in plastic because it's cheaper tomatoes my daughter eats are in plastic, all of the lettuce greens, all of the berries that they eat. So working with the CSA would eliminate all of that packaging, not to mention the fact that you're supporting a farmer. We haven't done this yet because I think it's harder when you have kids. They they just eat certain things and it's hard to train them to like new foods. At least it has been with my kids, but maybe this will be the year we think about going back to a CSA. Or maybe it'll be next year, depending on what happens with with social distancing and, and what's going on with the pandemic. And the other thing that I have been thinking about is composting. You know, I mentioned we live in an apartment. We don't have any outdoor space at all. I'm not sure I would be inclined to compost if we did, but the things that are available in in my community, if you want to check to see if they're available in yours, there is a composting pickup service. I think it's called the Baltimore Composting Collective that is available. They don't come to my zip code, but from what I understand, they give you the materials to kind of collect your compost and then they pick it up for you for like, you know, what's a pretty small fee a week or a month or something. So that's something that's on my radar if they would ever come to my zip code. I also think that my farmer's market collects compost. 
Uh, so that's something I might I might look into. But obviously, if you could find something to do with all of that food waste and not throw it away, you know, all the banana peels, all the stuff that's wrapped around the garlic, the tops of the strawberries, the core of the apples, all the food you don't eat, if that could be turned into soil, that would have such a huge impact. So that rounds up to the kitchen. Let's move into cleaning products. And if you... <laughs> If you are on social media at all and follow people who are in sort of the the green, beauty, healthy living kind of realm, then you might have heard of this company. It's called Branch Basics. So what they do is they make a cleaning concentrate that is made with non-toxic ingredients. I don't want to sit here and read ingredient lists, but I guess I feel like I should give some idea as to what is in this product. So I looked up what was in their concentrate just so I could share a little bit. I mean, the first ingredient is water. They have some ingredients. There are sugar-based cleansers. There's a food-grade emulsifier. There's baking soda. But it's all ingredients that are non-toxic and the concentrates can be used to make all of your cleaning products. So in their starter kit, they sell the concentrate with a bunch of different bottles that, you know, you use the concentrate and you mix it with water and you can make a multi-purpose cleaner. You can make a glass cleaner. You can make a bathroom cleaner and you just have this one bottle of concentrate that you're throwing away and you reuse your cleaning bottles. So when I've heard other people talk about Branch Basics on Instagram, they mention those different cleaning products. Products, but what I like to use the concentrate for the most is laundry detergent and hand soap. So they have a laundry detergent bottle and I just constantly refill that so I'm not throwing away old laundry detergent bottles. And I bought three of their hand soap dispensers and I just refill those. And on the side, they tell you, you know, this is how much water you put in. This is how much concentrate you put in. And especially now when I have a family of five who is home all the time and washing their hands constantly, to just have the concentrate and to be able to refill those hand soap bottles has been really nice. And that has been a company that I really have liked supporting. Now moving on to clothing, I am personally not a clothes person, really. I don't like shopping for clothes. If I ever have a ton of money, I'm going to pay a stylist to help me figure out what to buy and just have them dress me. (laughs) That's like my dream to not have to buy clothes or think about what I wear. But I have found a couple of companies who offer some sustainable or ethical clothing options that I really like to support. The first is a swimwear company. I can't remember how I heard about them. It's called Jessica Ray Swimwear. And before I made this episode, I went on to read a little bit about the company because I just wanted to have some things to share. And this woman, Jessica Ray, I love the first sentence of her about page. She said she can't draw and she can't sew and she can't swim, but she has this swimwear company. I think she'd be an awesome podcast guest. I'm like pulled in from that first sentence. Like how did she end up designing swimwear? I just love to know more of her story. But what I like about her designs is that if you are somebody like me who is built a little bit bigger in the bottom and can never find swim bottoms that kind of cover your whole butt, you know, you're kind of pulling them down all the time. I can't stand that, especially as I've gotten older. She markets her company as being about modest swimwear clothing. But what I like about her swimwear bottoms is I never have to pull them. They always stay down. They are the best. And her designs are kind of vintage inspired. It's just a really cool company. I have two swimsuits from her, I think. 
And I may get another one this year. I don't know if I'll find myself at a pool or a beach at all, but I could stand to get one more. So I really like her designs, but let me tell you about the ethical part. I have to look at her website for this. Let's see. She writes that her swimsuit fabrics are, this is taken directly from the website, so a quote, that her swimsuit fabrics are knit using yarn made from 100% regenerated pre and post consumer waste. And all of her clothes are cut and sewn in ethical factories in Los Angeles. So it has like the sustainable and the ethical piece. I like the designs. They are not inexpensive swimsuits, but more and more I'm preferring to have less clothing, but spend more for quality clothing. And I I think a lot of people are sort of thinking the same thing these days. In the last episode, I interviewed Amy Homan, who I mentioned already. She is the sustainable and ethical clothing designer. And she talked a little bit about the human factor in fashion and the hidden costs when clothing is very cheap. So you can go listen if that's something that interests you. But speaking of Amy, her company, Evolvery, is the second clothing company that I really like. And she makes kind of basics for women. So dresses, she has t-shirts, short and long sleeve for both of them. Uh, So I have a couple of her pieces, but what I'm most excited about is she's going to release her modular maxi dress this year, which is, you know, maxi dress, one long dress, but it unbuttons into eight or nine separate pieces. So with just that one dress, you can have a long dress, you can have a knee length dress, you can wear it as two different lengths of skirts or as a shirt if you unbutton the bottom portion. So I'm really excited for that. That's something I would like to get. My goal for my closet has been to support ethical and sustainable businesses, but also to find pieces that I can wear in different ways. So that's a piece that is definitely on my radar. Another company I'm really interested in, I just bought a piece from them because they just had a warehouse sale where I got this midi dress with a square neckline that I had been interested in, but the company is called Veta and they design capsules. So they have five piece capsules that are sort of organized by I guess like clothing style, like there's a casual capsule, an elegant capsule, an edgy capsule, a minimalist capsule. And the idea is you can buy those five pieces and then you can combine them to make 30 different outfits. It is my dream to find a capsule that is right for me and to buy it and then to just follow the list that they have made of the 30 different outfit ideas and just wear those and to not have to think about clothes for a month. I haven't found a capsule that's the right fit for me. There's usually something that's like a little bit shorter than I would like or I'm not sure about the style, but I love the idea of it. I love the idea of having five pieces of clothing that you can wear all these different ways. And so they are always on my radar. Uh, I believe they are a Boston-based company. They say that they use sustainable fabric in all of their designs, primarily tensile, which is made from sustainably harvest wood pulp. And then also organic cotton and dead stock fabric, which is fabric that would normally end up in the landfill, but they have found a way to use. And then they work with factories in New York City and uh, Los Angeles. Okay, now let's move into the bathroom. Now my favorite, favorite switch, which I've made in the last month in the bathroom, is that I finally learned how to use a menstrual cup. So I, I've had one forever. I've had one, well not forever, I've had one for five or six years maybe, and I've 
been too scared to use it. I mean, for two of those years, I was pregnant and nursing. So I, you know, I didn't have a period. I didn't have to worry about it. I just, I could never get comfortable with using one, but I always wanted to because I hate having to run to the store every month to buy products I need to get through that month. And so finally, with social distancing and the fact that we've been home, I have learned how to use this cup. You know, I'm late to the game with this. I wouldn't be surprised if many people who are listening have already made this switch. But I love so much just having this one little cup that I can use and, you know, not having to go buy tampons every month when I need them. I just clean it out and put it in its bag and save it until the next month. It reduces so much waste. I will say this though, because I'm only in my second month of using it, there is a learning curve to using this thing. It is fine for being in my house. I figured out how to, to make it comfortable for me. But if I'm moving around outside with the kids or something, it's, it is it is not as comfortable. It feels like it moves around or something. So I'm, I'm still trying to figure out the best way to work with this. But it has been my favorite swap. And I pair it with, I, I hope this isn't TMI, but I pair it with cloth pads that I get from Marley's Monsters. So they are just like regular pads that you would get. They snap into your underwear and I use them just for backup or for light days. They're much more comfortable than like a pad that you would get from the store that kind of tears apart and is kind of icky. You know, they're really soft. Uh, So I really loved using those. Absolutely, hands down, the favorite switch that I have made recently. Now, the item that I am thinking about how to switch out in the bathroom is toilet paper. So when I was getting this episode ready, I was trying to look up some statistics about toilet paper. And what I found, this is from a 2010 story in National Geographic, so it's old. The statistic might have changed, but I wanted to make this episode and so I just decided to use this. The the story had said that toilet paper wipes out 270,000 trees a day. So of course that's huge and it has me thinking about what kind of alternatives are there to conventional toilet paper. And as far as I can see, there are three options right? So there's the bidet, which is the the basin that you use to kind of clean yourself off. Business Insider says that it is really popular in Portugal, Japan, Italy, and Argentina. I like this option. They can be pretty pricey. I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe my kids could, could learn to use it. And I think the idea is that, you know, you're using water to clean yourself off. You're using less toilet paper. And then sometimes people seem to pair that with cloth toilet paper. You know, I know some people, you hear cloth toilet paper, you may have kind of an icky feeling. I get that. I think because of my experience with cloth diapering, I don't feel quite as icky about it. But if you're using it with a bidet, then you're essentially using the cloth toilet paper to kind of dry off. I don't know if I would ever do this. This is just an alternative to toilet paper that I am thinking about. What I think might be a more feasible option is bamboo toilet paper. So bamboo is a more fast growing plant. Another National Geographic story I found, I can't remember if it's the same one that I mentioned earlier, but I will link both of them in the show, in the show notes, said that bamboo can grow two inches per hour and matures in five years. So if you compare that to a hardwood like oak, which they did, oak grows 12 inches a year and takes 120 years to mature. So you got to think that if you use a toilet paper made from bamboo, if enough people start doing that, that, that is going to save some trees. The option that I found is who gives a crap? They make bamboo toilet paper because of the times we're in. They have been sold out of toilet paper for probably the last five or six weeks. 
but that is something that's on my radar. It's a little bit more pricey. I think for 48 rolls, it costs $52 or something like that, but it doesn't come in plastic. The toilet paper is, is in a box, so you're not worrying about the plastic, and then you're using a toilet paper that is made from a more renewable resource. So yeah, that about does it. Those are some of the swaps we have made in our house to reduce the amount of waste that we are producing. We are nowhere near zero waste, nowhere near. But I hope this gives you some ideas. If there's anything you're doing in your house that I didn't mention, I mean, let me know because I, I know I'm really interested in this and I'm trying to make some changes and I'd love to hear about some more things that we could do to have even less of an impact on the environment. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm going to be back soon with another solo episode. I will see you then. Thank you so much for taking the time today to listen to We Built This Life. If you enjoyed the show, I would be so grateful if you went to iTunes to leave a review. That really helps other people find the show and in turn helps the show grow. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook, but mainly Instagram under We Built This Life. I'm pretty active over there. If you have a story that you want to share, I'd love to hear it. Please DM me on Instagram or you can email WeBuiltThisLifePodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening today and I'll see you soon.